Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. This is Pete Vecchi welcoming you to our episode of Reconciling Grace today. I'm one of the associate pastors at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. On our panel today, also our Steve Wilson. Steve is a graduate of United Theological Seminary in Dayton. He is an author, computer game programmer. Also with us today is Mick Wells, the president of Wells of Salvation Ministries and co-host of the Cross Connection radio program. And Vicki Cundiff, who is a staff pastor with Countryside Church of the Nazarene in Lebanon, Ohio. Vicki is the one who's going to be leading our discussion today. And so, Vicki, I assume that you have something <laughs> to say about this, because the context and the topic today is what? Assumptions. Ah, I assumed right. Making assumptions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so um, we're going to look at the word assume in the context of the meaning to suppose something is true, but to have no proof. And even from that definition, we could see that there could be problems arising from the assumptions that we make. Um, does anyone want to share? Have you ever had an assumption about someone or something and maybe told someone what you assume, but later you found out that you were wrong? Isn't that called marriage? <laughs> I have no comment on that. <laughs> well, no, seriously, you know, I mean, we, my wife and I are very happily married. We, we yes. love each other. Um, but there are times when in everyday life, it doesn't even necessarily have to be something big or some big problem going on mm-hmm. that, oh, I assumed that she was thinking one thing when she was thinking another, or she assumed I was thinking one thing when I was thinking another, or um, she assumed, for instance, I might... Um, be upset about something, and when I'm doing a like that to think about it, she thinks that I'm going. I'm really angry about this. No, but you know, or something like that. Just you know, a, a reaction. Right. It could be something that small, a reaction, um, and it's not just between me and my wife. But I think it's because we know each other so well. We mm-hmm. know what we think the other is going to uh, think about something. That when we get a reaction, we're thinking, well, that's what they're going to be bothered about, or or whatever it might be. Okay. Anyone else want to share? Yeah, I can. Um, I was missing, um, you know, uh, we just passed the fall season, and and I went out to find my leaf blower, and I couldn't find it. And uh, I I have uh, a son who had taken a number of things from me, and and because I couldn't find the leaf blower, I just assumed he did it. What do you call that? Inductive reasoning. Other (laughs) things have been missing, therefore he took this one. Well... And I confronted him about it, and and uh, well, later on, the uh, the bottom line in the story is that I I found the leaf blower, and I went back to my son and I apologized to him for uh, having confronted him based upon uh, a lack of evidence, one way or the other. Yeah. So yeah, that's the first thing I thought of, Vicky. Yeah. I think that everyone makes assumptions, probably daily. You know, would you say, you know, mm-hmm. about something? Um, sometimes we're right, we're correct about it, but I think many times we're not. You know, we're making wrong assumptions, and we'll talk about a little bit later about what 
basis that we come across sometimes of why we make the assumptions that we make. Uh, but for now, um, we're going to introduce um, Acts. There was, there's other scriptures, I'm sure, but this particular story from Acts chapter 21 uh, is about what happened when someone made wrong assumptions. Well, more than one person <laughs> making a wrong assumption. And so our story is going to be from uh, Acts 21, verses 27 through 36. Um, I'm going to give you some background leading into that. Uh, this story is about the Apostle Paul. He had ended his third missionary journey, and he had arrived in Jerusalem. It was the uh, festival of Pentecost, and you know how the Jews uh, would always come to these feasts, of uh, different feasts and festivals that they would have. And so many, many people, uh, Jewish people, would come from all around, and they're in Jerusalem. And so Paul um, also went to this to Jerusalem, and so he's welcomed there by the believers and the elders of the church. Uh, the next day, he met with the leaders of the church and he talked with them about uh, everything that had uh, been accomplishing through this third missionary journey uh, that he took and everything that God had done. And they were especially thrilled to hear all these things, and especially that the Gentiles were being saved. You know, this had been happening throughout his other journeys as well, and his first and second journeys, but. You know, they were just rejoicing in that, the salvation that come from the non-Jewish people. And so years earlier, this group of leaders had drafted a letter um, and sent it to the Gentiles telling them to abstain from eating food sacrificed to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. And basically what they were doing, there were some problems among uh, the Jews and the Jewish Christians. And so the church kind of set doctrine uh, for these non-Jewish believers um, that they didn't have to follow the law of Moses and be circumcised because it's through Jesus alone uh, that people receive salvation. It's through Jesus Christ. But they did instruct them to abstain from sin and practices that were unbecoming of a believer, practices that the Jews disdained. And so this was made known uh, to the people, you know, word travels orally. Um, but some of the Jewish believers still struggled with the fact that there were Gentile converts, and many of them still struggled with the fact the Jewish Christians especially struggled with the fact that they were not uh, being circumcised or following the law of Moses. And so now that they're in Jerusalem and the leaders of the church told Paul that there's many believers there, Jewish believers, they're having this problem. Uh, in the scriptures in verses 21 and 22 of that chapter, it says that they told Paul that uh, there was teaching, they were teaching all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn their backs on the law of Moses, these troublemakers were, and that he was teaching them not to circumcise their children or follow other Jewish customs. So that was the that was the accusation, is what you're saying. That's of what. Paul. The, okay. Yeah, that that they were telling the crowds of people, and so in order to protect Paul, um, they come up with this thing where they thought, "Hey, why don't you participate with these four other men in this Jewish uh, purification ceremony at the temple?" And of course, they hoped this was going to show everyone that he still respects uh, the Jewish procedures in the Jewish law. Um, and so he agreed, and he went with the men to the temple the next day, and he joined them in this um, purification ceremony. It lasted for a week, uh, but toward the end of the week, there was a riot that broke out in the temple. Some of the Jews from the province of Asia who had fought against him in that province, they were also there. They saw him there, and they're stirring up all these people uh, against him. And so that's where we're going to pick up our text, uh, Mick, that you're going to read that on uh, chapter 21 verses 27 through 29. Word tells us the seven days were almost ended when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and roused a mob against him. They grabbed him, yelling, 
Men of Israel, help us. This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple, and he even defiles this holy place by bringing in Gentiles. For earlier that day they had seen him in the city with Trophimus, a Gentile from Ephesus, and they assumed Paul had taken him into the temple. So why do you think that they made this assumption? That Trophimus was there, probably because they saw him earlier, so they just assumed that he was with uh, Paul again. Okay. I think they wanted to believe the worst about Paul. Right. Yeah, they did. Both those things correct. Any other thoughts on that? I think they were just uh, grabbing at anything that they knew other people might get uh, riled up about, whether it was true or not. Yeah. And they were, it was based on their own biasness. They already didn't like Paul. Some of them didn't like the Gentiles and what they were doing, so um, they perceived something that wasn't true and made this assumption. Uh, But they were telling other people about it, right? Uh, And look at the result of that assumption. Uh, Verses 30 and 36. Steve, would you like to read that, please? The whole city was aroused, and the people came running from all directions. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd shouted one thing and some another. And since the commander could not get at the truth, because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed him kept shouting, get rid of him. Wow, this mob of people, here they are with this really very little information about Paul, for the most part, I think most of them. But yet they were forming an opinion about him, even to the point they're beating him and wanting to kill him, you know, to think that somebody could be that riled up. But don't we see that in our society? Mm -hmm. Uh, We've seen that with riots and things uh, in our own country and or other areas of the world, um, hearing one-sided information, a little bit of stuff and getting all riled up about it and, and making an opinion about something, then we really don't have all the facts on, you know. What struck me, Vicki, was that, uh, over these 2,000 years since since then, uh, human nature hasn't really changed that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see in today's news on a daily basis where what the term uh, crowd psychology applies. People join in with a, a, a cause or an outcry, and they don't really even know why. It's because everybody else did it. Mm-hmm. But I was going to mention one other thing here. When the commander tries to intervene... He makes an assumption himself. The, the word says the commander arrested Paul mm-hmm. and ordered him bound with two chains. Now, he acted there on mm-hmm. an assumption just as badly as the crowd, I think. Yeah, if they're beating him up, he must be guilty. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And I know that Steve just read that uh, passage, and the last words you read were, get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Another translation that, that I have here shows, kill him. That's mm-hmm. what they were saying. Yeah, to think that it would get 
that bad. But again, it's based on their own biasness of what they want to believe. And that, you know, happens uh, everywhere, really. Um, some of these people had probably heard about Paul, you know, had some information about him. Some may have remembered him from his past um, and that he was a, a Jew that persecuted the church. It's possible. Some may not have known him uh, at all, of course. Some may have known that he had been converted and was a preacher. Um, some may have thought, you know, well, you know, I've heard about him. He has a good reputation. Um, but in a little while, we're going to have to close up here and take a break, aren't we? Uh, but we're going to kind of get to the what I think, of what I see as the real problem of why they were so upset with Paul when we come back. Okay, we'll just come back then in just a few moments after this break, and we will be back with Reconciling Grace. Oh, I assume we're back? I guess so. We're back with Reconciling Grace. And Vicki, why don't you pick up with your talking to us about assumptions? Okay, we were talking about what happened with the Apostle Paul and how um, people had assumed some wrong things about him to the point that they were beating him and wanting to kill him. And um, the commander rescued him. And we were talking about how some of them probably had possibly had heard about Paul, not everybody. Um, But it seems like maybe... um, their real problem wasn't so much with Paul. I mean, for some it was, but maybe for what Paul was representing. And I think the proof of that is in the scriptures because Paul asked the commander if he could speak to the crowd of people and he allowed it. And uh, if we would go on and read this, uh, we would see these things. I'm just going to kind of talk about them, go over a little bit. Paul started explaining to them, if you remember, he was an educated Jew, that he was trained in the law, uh, in the Jewish customs, he was trained under a really good teacher, um, and Paul was zealous about the law that so much that he thought it was some kind of a cult, and so he was persecuting the Christians and dragging them off into prison and, you know, held the coats whilst they murdered uh, a man named Stephen, you know, and so he was very zealous uh, for the Jewish law, uh, but then he tells them how he met Jesus and how he became a believer, and uh, that a man named Ananias had been told by God to come and see him laid hands on him and prayed for him. And he testified that it was Jesus who sent him to evangelize the Gentiles. And that's when the eruption happened. Don't you think that sometimes it has to do not just with assumptions, but with what I'd like to call underlying anger issues? Mm -hmm. These people were probably already upset about the fact that the synagogue, the Jewish people, uh, the temple, maybe I should say, was losing... I don't want to say authority, but influence mm-hmm. amongst the people of, of Jerusalem, amongst the people of Israel, knowing that they were already under the, um, what do you want to call, the, the rule of the Roman captors. And now here's this new, what they called the way that was jeopardizing the old customs and traditions. And by golly, these people are not going to take over our temple. <laughs> That's true. And, and we, you know, never, we never hear that in church, do we? Yeah, it's so hard to change from the things that you once believed in. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's different avenues of why we make assumptions and what's going on in our heart as to why we make assumptions sometimes. But in that scripture, at the moment, he talked about how Jesus was sending him out to evangelize the Christians. In other words, it was Jesus' idea, it wasn't mine, and I'm obeying him is basically what he's saying. 
In that moment, when he spoke those words, they erupted and they said, away with such a fellow. He isn't fit to live. They yelled. They threw off their coats. They tossed handfuls of dust into the air. And notice that everything that Paul had just said to them, they totally disregarded. I mean, isn't that what they originally said that they were upset about? I see, I see a lot of similarity with the way Stephen was treated. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was murdered basically by a vigilante, and it mm-hmm. sounds like it's kind of leading up to that in this account. And if it hadn't been that, for the commander, yeah. that probably would have happened. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to over over speak you there, but the other thing, I, I, I kind of like to bring this into today's world, because doesn't the same thing happen? Think about, and I'm not trying to get political here, but think about anything that happens in society that has to do with politics. You know, I don't care what position you might have, whether you are on the left or on the right or in the middle, if your candidate says the right things or your your politician or whoever you want to hear says the right things, you're happy. And if somebody from the other side says, well, I agree with that person on X, Y, Z, but then here's Z plus, get that guy out of here. You know, that's <laughs> that's kind of the way it goes today. And, and I mean, it, it happens even in today's world, maybe not to the point of killing people, but it happens in today's world. It surely does. It does. But they just disregarded... Everything that he said. Now, if their problem really was what they were saying that it was, then when he explained who he was, how he was raised and trained in Jewish law, wouldn't that have appeased the Jews? You would think that it, that they would have been happy about that. Should have. Or when he testified about his salvation experience, that should have appeased the Jewish Christians because he, you know, they were Jews as far as what we were saying just earlier. But the moment he mentioned sending... Uh, God sending him out to minister to the Gentiles, that's when their anger erupted. And that's when they got so angry that they tried to kill him. And so I think there was a heart problem there, you know, with something going on in their heart. Like you just said earlier, the anger at the certain situations of how they felt about what he was doing and uh, with the non-Jewish people. And so sometimes people can lash out at us in anger, just like the Apostle Paul was getting here, when the real problem, I think, was prejudice against the Gentiles. That was part of the problem. Uh, There was a long history of hatred and disgust that they really had toward each other, and we know that from studying the Scriptures, Um, but that hatred was never prompted by God because we all know if we looked up the biblical genealogies, genealogies, we would see that even in the ancestry of Christ that there were Gentile people, you know, that came to believe in God. And so, and we also know from the Scriptures it was always God's plan uh, to include non-Jewish people. And so their hatred of each other really was coming from their own belief because these two groups of people, they each thought that they were better than the other, right? You know, the, the Greeks thought that they were better than the Jews, and the Jews thought that they were better uh, than them. So I think that prejudice is a preconceived—well, the, the definition of prejudice is that it's a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. It's an opinion formed beforehand, an unfavorable one based on inadequate facts. And another uh, thing would be an intolerance or a dislike for people of a specific race or religion. So prejudice then would be one form of assumption making. You know, it's not the, the only thing because it is a preconceived opinion not based on reason, experience, or fact. And so What are some other ways, then, that we can make assumptions, things that can cause people to assume things? Well, I like how you pointed out that it was the fact that Paul was 
reaching out to the Gentiles that made that Jewish mob so angry and that it was the fact that they thought they were better than the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. And so here's this guy, Paul, who's a traitor in their eyes to his own people Mm -hmm. and saying, hey, you know what? Jews, you chosen of God, uh, you chosen people, I'm going to help make the Gentiles on the same playing field that you are with God. In this new religion, in this new way, Gentiles become equal with you who think you're so special because of your history with God. Mm -hmm. And so it can be kind of the same way with us. Pride, uh, I think, fuels my assumptions. Well, I certainly can't be wrong about something Mm -hmm. because I'm a smart guy, right? And so whatever you say, well, you have to be looking at that wrong because I certainly can't be. That's a good point. Do we have a moment to be able to take this just a little bit the other way? Because, Steve, something you just said made me think about the fact that you said, you know, well, I think this way, um, I'm a smart guy, I believe this, whatever. I think we all tend to do that. But also, there are some people, and this happens to me a lot, I tend to think, well, maybe I'm not as smart as I think I am, (laughs) and I assume another person is right, when maybe I'm really right. Mm Mm-hmm. Have that, has that ever happened to other people here? Point two. I mean, I guess that doesn't happen to maybe everybody all the time, but that does happen to me at times. Mm-hmm. Any other ways that we can make assumptions? Well, going on what Pete said, maybe thinking other people are right, I also see in this crowd uh, what would force a group of people to to band together like this? And uh, I think it's, well, who started it? Who was the loudest person in that crowd who started the thing going? You know, and a lot of times it's, well, the loudest people get listened to. Mm-hmm. And you assume they know what they're talking about when I don't see anybody asking Paul any questions. Hey, did you bring Trophimus into the temple? Right. Right. So it's just the loudest person who gets upset about something. And those who are, uh, I don't know, I guess kind of standing by, say, hey, yeah, that guy has a point. Mm-hmm. He must be right. Right. It's yeah. the mob mentality. Yeah. Well, I attribute some of the actions of the, the perpetrators there, I uh, attribute it to the influence of the enemy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Satan probably had no greater delight than to come in there and threaten the very lives of people who were glorifying God with the gospel truth. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to shortchange that even in today's world, because in the unseen realm, the spiritual realm, there are great battles taking place. And I believe that Satan can kind of cause to orchestrate uh, the, the bad actions of people, the bad thoughts, the bad motives, the, uh, the bad uh, actions, because Satan is an enemy of God, enemy of those who follow God. And uh, I believe we're seeing that here. I believe we can see it around us. I believe that too. And one thing that I have seen here, um, I think that everything that I've heard from everybody today is is very accurate. Um, one of the things that I'm thinking about is those preconceived notions. Um, as I said before, like for instance, this mob of people was angry. Several of them may, they may not have even been angry at the same thing, but Mm -hmm. they just had anger issues. And it seems to me that when a person is angry, 
especially when there's somebody to have that anger pointed at, they assume, there we go, assumptions, they assume the worst. Mm-hmm. And we have to be careful just listening to one side of something where we're so closed-minded, and we see that all over in our society, we're so closed-minded that we shut ourselves up, off from thinking about uh, whether or not we're right. You know, like Steve brought out, they weren't interested in asking Paul if they, he really took that man in, into the temple area. Um, but I think that some other ways that we can um, make assumptions, is, and we all do this, we consider what a person meant by what they said or did, or what they didn't say or do. You know, that person walked by me and didn't even speak to me. There must be something wrong. Sometimes it doesn't occur to us that it has nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. You know, we assume things like that because of, you know, things that people did or didn't mm-hmm. say. Or, or you know, well, they said this. I wonder if this is what they meant when, it, you know, I've had that happen to me where, well, I didn't think that at all. I didn't say that or even think that, you know, in my mm-hmm. mind because how our environment, the things we learn, uh, how we think how we have learned to think shapes what we make assumptions about. I'd like to know? just, yeah, I'd like to share a, a something that I learned. This was in the very, very first Bible college course I took, that the professor was talking to us as a class, and he said about himself, he says, my wife and I know each other better than we know any other human being I know my wife better than than I know any other human being. She knows me better than she knows any other human being. He said, but neither one of us can ever know with 100% certainty the motive or the intention of the other. That's only between a person and God. And that was so wise. It is. No matter what we think we know about another person, we can't ever for sure know 100%. Right. And the thing of it is, is when we make assumptions, you know, we're forming an opinion and that becomes real to us. And we think in our minds, we begin thinking about playing that over, that that's the way it is. When it may not be that way at all. We, it's not based on fact. We don't have any proof of it or anything. But then we run into danger when we voice that opinion to someone else. And then they think that as well. We, see, we just saw that in the scripture and we don't have any fact to support it with. Um, but we can believe that it's true, and it might just be simply based on our assumptions. And so, as we said earlier, sometimes, or often probably our assumptions are incorrect. So what should we do? We're getting, uh, the time's getting away from us here. So what should we do then? We're learning from this as far as assuming something. You know, what should we do about that if we don't know we're assuming correctly? Should we learn from this? How can we, how can we correct this line of thinking? Well, I think that we should... Um, take the issue to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And again, I've I've said it so many times that I flunk discernment, but I would pray that the Lord would lead me uh, into the truth in a a matter. And these days, I think it's particularly complicated. We're surrounded in a society that talks about fake news, where if you hear it or or see it in print, you don't even know if it's true. And it's hard to base something on that. I found a, a scripture in Proverbs that I think applies to this. It says, he who answers a matter before he hears it, this is folly and disgrace to him. Um, with, with respect to uh, discerning the truth, I, the inside of me wishes we had 
uh, a, a website of a like a divine Snopes mm-hmm. to see what's true and what's not. I'm not sure I trust Snopes completely, but I do trust the Lord, and I will take it to Him in prayer. Well, and that's the thing that we have to do. And I've had that happen to me before, where I was thinking something about someone in my mind, and I thought, Lord, show me the truth. And within days. I learned the truth, and I was completely wrong about my assumptions. And I'm so glad that I didn't say anything to that person or tell anyone else. But, you know, as we wrap it up here, we need to go to God with things that we're thinking and assuming. That's great. And, Vicki, I thank you so much for your leadership in today's uh, talk about assumptions. So for Vicki Cundiff, Mick Wells, and Steve Wilson, this is Pete Vecchi. Thank you for joining us today for Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.